Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are live. It is Thursday. Welcome, as always, to the Standing Room Spartans podcast with your host, Ryden Solo, today, Kevin Parker, uh, with what I believe to be, I, I truly believe to be, one of the great episodes in podcast history. I got a lot of stuff for you today. We got one of the best mailbag segments I think we've we've ever done. I have three outstanding questions. I have an offer for you, the people. Make sure you stay tuned for that one. You're going to want to hear it. Uh, we have the Big Ten All-Decade Defense Review. Uh, we also, at the end, will wrap it up with a little betting segment, betting the Big Ten West. We did the Big Ten East last week. Wanted to make sure we get to the Big Ten West, so we'll we'll wrap that up real quick with some thoughts on some over-unders uh, on team wins. A couple prop bets for you going into the season. But again, uh, we will start with the mailbag. Uh, again, I got an awesome offer for you guys. We'll get to all of that. But first, I want to welcome everybody in. If it's your first time listening, thank you for joining us here. Uh, you're, you picked a good one to start with, I believe. But go ahead, go back to the docket. We got a lot of good stuff in the catalog for you. Make sure you check all that out. Hit the subscribe button. Follow me on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. And uh, welcome, uh, everybody coming on back. Thank you for joining me, as always. Hope you're enjoying the show. Make sure you keep on telling your friends and family about the podcast, the best MSU podcast in the business, as I do say so myself. Uh, and get yourselves involved. Uh, make sure you you fill out an Apple review with a question. Again, uh, give me a moment here. I'll, I'll get to a little offer I have for you. Um, follow me on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. Ask me some questions. I want to get you guys, uh, you know, continue to get you guys more involved in the show. So um, as we get this thing kicked off, we're going to start with the mailbag. I have three great questions from Twitter. But before I do that, listen closely, folks. Today is July the 9th, the year of our Lord, 2020. The next Apple review, ask a question and I will dedicate an entire bonus episode on the podcast to whatever your question is. So on the day, July 9th, uh, from the beginning of the day, from 12 o'clock midnight, the first review that is listed, I will dedicate an entire bonus podcast episode to your question. So make it a good one. Make it count. Uh, make, me, make me think. I really want to be challenged a little bit here, and it can be about literally anything in the world. You can ask me about anything i mean it could be let let i don't even want to to you know tilt you to one side just let your creativity run wild the first podcast review on july the 9th the day that we air uh we i will dedicate an entire bonus episode to your question just leave a question on apple review hopefully with a five star review and i will dedicate a whole episode to it um, but let's get to our mailbag here today. 
Um, these are all coming to us from Twitter again at standing room MSU, uh, before usually about a day before I record or a few hours before I record, um, I'll throw up a, a tweet, ask me anything, last chance to get on the pod. Um, just reply with a question, or you can just always tweet at me at any time and, and I'll make sure I get your question, uh, answered here. So we got three phenomenal questions today, starting with uh, from at pregame empire said if you had to live in any college football stadium which would you choose and why so this one i spent way too much time researching again from pregame empire so if you could live keyword live in any college football stadium which would you choose and why so i i took a holistic approach to this idea in living in the stadium. <clears throat> now, of course, you know, you have Spartan stadium. It's, uh, <laughs> definitely not. First of all, the weather, you have to consider the fact that you're going to be living in Spartan stadium through the whole winter. You know, I'm sure you got a nice room in there somewhere, but, um, I used to work in Spartan stadium at green line. There, there's some nice, uh, you know, on the, that's, uh, entrance, the, what is that? The West entrance of the stadium um, that they upgraded a few years back. There's a lot of really nice conference rooms, stuff like that. I could convert something into a nice bedroom uh, and there's some nice places to be. You got a nice little view of East Lansing from up there. But again, you know, the, there's uh, the bathroom situations. Not great. Um, you, you just uh, the, the weather is the big factor here. So you know, I'm looking at a few schools. I I went through Colorado Boulder. You know, the stadium itself, it's quite old. They haven't renovated it in a while. I'd, I've never been there personally, but you're living in the city of Boulder, so that would be awesome. North Carolina, they got a nice stadium over there. Your weather's going to be pretty solid in Chapel Hill. Uh, Husky Stadium in Washington. You're right on the water there. You're in downtown Seattle or damn near, damn close to, to downtown Seattle. So you got a pretty sweet living situation there. Uh, Stanford is one I considered as well. But when it really came down to it, I spent about 30 minutes going through different stadiums in my head. You know, I, I don't, a lot of these stadiums in the South are beautiful. But, you know, you're going to have to deal with 100 degrees, humidity, I just don't want to have to deal with that. So I have the best of all the worlds and I think the most beautiful picturesque stadium in the country. And that's the Rose Bowl. I, I mean, this one was pretty, pretty simple for me. When you pull up the Rose Bowl on Google Maps, I unfortunately did not go to the Rose Bowl in 2013. I had a lot of friends who did. I was at East, I was at Michigan State at the time. I was a student, but you have, first of all, you're right in the foothills of the mountains there. So you have easy access to some hiking. You have a golf course that is literally attached to the stadium. So I, I'm assuming with my residency at the stadium that I would get a free membership to the golf course there. I can I can make an assumption. Um, in 2014, they put in a new video board, 77 feet by 30 feet. So you know, I could get my my Xbox hooked up to that. That'd be pretty sweet. Um, and then on top of all of that, you have incredible weather year round. You're never going to be too cold. You're never going to be too hot. Um, you have a lot of events that, again, I'm assuming if I live there, I pretty much have free access. You have the Rose Bowl every year. Um, UCLA football is is really nothing that I I want to watch, but I guess it's available. Um, you're going to get a playoff game every every couple of years. They've had a lot of concerts roll through there, like uh, one or two big shows every year. They've had Jay-Z, Rolling Stones, Metallica, Green Day. Uh, Michael Jackson played there. Pink Floyd played there back in the day, the Eagles. Um, so I think you get the best of all the worlds. As far as the weather, you get a lot of great football with the Rose Bowl once a year. You get a playoff game every couple of years. You have a golf course that's attached to the stadium. I, I can't imagine anywhere in the country that would rival the Rose Bowl. As far as living in the stadium year round, no way. Um, so, you know, yeah, all the schools up north, I, I'm pretty much just wiping off the list because it's too cold. 
Um, any of the schools down south are, are too hot. So I want it somewhere in the middle. But the Rose Bowl is an easy answer when, when I really I spent way too much time researching this and I, I kept trying to find a better one, but it doesn't exist. The Rose Bowl would definitely be the choice there. So again, pregame empire. If I had to live in any football stadium, I'm assuming that's going to be year round. I'm choosing the Rose Bowl 100 times out of 100. Uh, next question here from at Tyler Beck. He asks, how many wins does Tucker get in his first three years as a coach? Um, and Scott and I kind of went through on the podcast a, a few episodes ago, if you guys want to check that out. Um, the title is something like, it's the year 2025. And we kind of ran through a bunch of different scenarios of basically by the end of Mel Tucker's first contract, you know, where's the program at? You know, what are some different scenarios kind of on the on a basement level, on a ceiling level, somewhere in the middle, more realistically? Um, so definitely check that out. I, I kind of answer this in a much longer form, but to kind of run through it. So the next three years is the timeline here. 2020, we've talked a lot about and we will continue to talk a lot about the Vegas under over under four and a half. Uh, I would probably lean towards the under because it's a really tough schedule. You have no spring ball to get these guys, you know, fitted into a new playbook, a new system on both sides of the ball. So, you know, I, I would assume about four wins this year. Maybe you can squeeze out five or six if the ball bounces the right way and really get a couple wins that we probably shouldn't. And maybe two or three if just, again, you know, you you don't get those bounces. You lose a couple close games against, you know, winnable teams like, you know, Northwestern, BYU, uh, Rutgers, Maryland. You, you know, you drop a couple of those close. I can, I can see it happening. But when you go forward to 2021, the non-conference schedule is pretty forgiving. You have two easy wins with uh, Youngstown State and Western Kentucky. And then we go at Miami, the, the back end of that home and home. The Big Ten conference schedule is, is pretty tough. We go at Michigan and Ohio State. Of course, Penn State we get at home. The West side, our crossover games are at Northwestern, at Purdue, and versus Nebraska. So not too tough on the West crossovers. You know, we avoid your uh, Wisconsin's and, and uh, Iowa's, but still pretty tough. I would imagine, you know, we we get a lot of the talent should be coming back again after next season. We got a really young team this year, so I, I would assume that we're in a bowl game contention. Six to seven wins is is probably fair. Twenty twenty two, you look at the schedule, our, our non conference. We go Western Michigan and Akron should be wins. Then we go at Boise State in the first part of a, a home and home series with them. Our, uh, you know, the big games, we get Michigan and Ohio State at home. You go at Penn State on the road. Our crossover games with the West, we have versus Wisconsin, versus Minnesota, and versus Illinois. So we get all those games at home. 2022 is going to be an interesting year because you, you'll start to get a couple of Mel Tucker's recruits that are, are getting significant playing time. You'll have guys that, are, you know, are a couple years into a new system on offense and defense. And the schedule is pretty forgiving. Like we said, we got a couple easy wins in the non-conference and a, a pretty tough game on the road at Boise, but obviously very winnable against a group of five team. Uh, one of the best group of five teams in the country, but but still a group of five team. We should have the talent edge in that one. I'm in a, in a pretty forgiving conference uh, conference schedule. So, you know, I'd, I think like nine wins, 10 wins isn't out of the question if, if things, you know, really start bouncing the right way for us. We get a couple big recruits that can step in early in their career. But I would, you know, if we're looking at a more realistic end, probably seven or eight wins that year. Now you put all those together on the low end over the next three years, you may be looking at 14 to 16 wins. You know, that's basically accounting for three or four in year one and somewhere around five or six in years uh, two and three, you know, contending for a bowl game, but maybe even coming up a little short. So on the low end over the next three years, somewhere around 15 games, uh, averaging about five wins a year. On the high end, you know, we win, again, ball bounces uh, the right way a couple times, win five or even six year one. 
You win seven or eight games in year two, get to a halfway decent bowl game. You win nine, maybe even 10 games in year three with that schedule and, and some of the recruits coming in. So, you know, 23, 24 games, I, I'd say on the high end, that's not out of the question over the next three years, averaging somewhere around eight wins a season. Uh, but, you know, somewhere in the middle, if, if we were to try to balance that out, I would probably say between 17 to 20 wins over the next three years is, is probably a safe bet, averaging somewhere like six six wins a year. You know, the first couple years for a new head coach, with the way the program's been going the last couple of years, I would say if, if we're competing for and getting into bowl games each of the next, uh, or at least two of the next three years, you know, kind of not counting this first season, I, I think that would be pretty safe. So somewhere like four wins this year, seven wins next year, eight wins in, in 2022, I, I'd say that's a safe realistic expectation uh that that you can be pretty optimistic about and and feel pretty good about you know if if that's the kind of progression we're getting better every year we're improving that win total every year i'd say that's that's a pretty good bet there so um again from at tyler beck on twitter um i i would if i had to put my money on it i'd go somewhere in that you know 18 17 to 20 um, somewhere in that range, high end 23 or 24 wins over the next three years, low end 15, 16. Uh, but yeah, somewhere right in the middle there, about 18, 19 wins in the next three years would, would probably be my bet. And the last question from a good friend of mine, one of my best friends in the world that, that I hope we will get on the podcast here soon from at Marshall J 93, Marshall Hart on Twitter asks, Best tailgating beer, cocktail, and shot. Go. Now, these aren't going to be my favorite beer, my favorite cocktail, and my favorite shot. I think this is important. These are the best tailgating beers, cocktails, and shots. So, um, you know, the, the important thing here is I think we have to keep it relatively simple. You know, we, we're not getting too complicated with some crazy cocktail you know, I'm not bringing, I love a whiskey sour, but I'm not bringing, you know, an egg white strainer to, to the party here. That That's, you know, getting a little too complex for us here. So we're going to keep it relatively simple. So uh, we'll start with the beer. Uh, I think that Canadian, uh, you know, the, the standard Canadian beers are, are better than anything we have in America. So give me a Molson or a Labatt, something just easy sipping. You know, we're, we're in it for the long haul. So when we got a tailgate, we're looking at somewhere between, you know, four to six hours of drinking before we get into the stadium. You know, if, if you're out here pounding craft beers the whole day, mixing in a couple shots, as we always do during a tailgate, you're going to be way too drunk going into that stadium. And I have been there way more times than, than I care to admit so, you know, when you're when you're in college, it doesn't matter. You're drinking Burnett's right out of the bottle. You know, who really cares? But, you know, at, at this age, out of college for a few years now, uh, graduate actually saw recently I had a photo that I graduated uh, just over four years ago now. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but, you know, here we are. But, you know, as a grad, as, as somebody who, who likes to consider myself a quote-unquote adult, you know, I think we're past the, you know, beer bong funneling burnets down, down a tube phase in my life. Uh, you know, we used to do the ice luge uh, for shots. You know, we, we did a bunch of crazy stuff back in the day. But um, nowadays, again, you know, we're in it for the long haul. And that's important to remember with with our beer selection, especially, you know, with with shots, with cocktails, you know, you do what you got to do. But with the beers, it's something that you're always going to have in your hand. It's something you're always going to be sipping. So you want something relatively low alcohol percentage um, and something that's easy to drink. And of course, again, I think the Canadian beers are just superior. So give me a Molson is my ideal. Uh, Labatt, Labatt Light, those are good options as well. Now the cocktail, uh, again, I, I wanted to give something a little bit interesting, you know, not just like whiskey and Coke, something like that. Something that, that gives a little more juice to it, but again, something that's pretty simple. And this is something I got turned on to over the course of this winter. 
Uh, I was actually a little bit under the weather, uh, and we were going out for some drinks with a couple friends that I hadn't seen in a long time. And I said, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll tough it out. We'll go out to the bar. I'll get one drink with you guys, and then I'll head back. And uh, I was looking for something that, that would help my throat a, a little bit, that, that would feel pretty good. Somebody turned me on to the Lynchburg Lemonade. Now, if, if you're not familiar, this is basically Jack Daniels, a little bit of lemon juice, a little bit, little bit of triple sec, and some Sprite. So in my head at the time, I convinced myself that the lemon juice and vitamin C would help me out. Uh, but man, the, the Lynchburg Lemonade, this is an awesome, awesome, awesome outdoor drinking, you know, easy sipping, easy drinking stuff. Again, you, you get your Jack Daniels, you put a, if you want to go, I, I would say two shots of Jack Daniels. You get lemon juice from a quarter of a lemon is good. I would prefer a half a lemon. You get about a shot, little under a shot, a triple sec. And then you fill up the cup with Sprite. Now, this is, you know, you're perfect. You know, you can, again, it's it's not something that's, you know, a little martini or something. It's something that, that's got a little weight to it. It's something you can sip on for a few, you know, a, a good 45 minutes. It's delicious. And it would be awesome for all weather. It, it's something that's great in, in warm weather. You get, you know, throw some ice cubes in there, the lemon juice, the Sprite. It, it really brings out that summer feel. Um, and it's something you can get a little bit in the winter as well because it's got the Jack Daniels. It warms you up a little bit. Um, that that's an, that would be probably my my pick for, for the tailgating cocktail. Again, something that's a little bit more advanced than than the whiskey coke or the vodka soda but the the cocktail give me a lynchburg lemonade and the best tailgating shot here i'm going as simple as possible i'm polish vodka uh i'm a vodka guy through and through um maybe it has to do with my polish roots Uh, i'm not really sure but you know just give me a shot of vodka i'm good i I, maybe if you want to throw a little chaser in there maybe if you give me a, a slice of lemon or something uh, whatever it might be, but you know, if it's decent vodka, if, of course, you know, we're not talking about Smirnoff or something here, but if it's decent vodka, it's something that you should be able to drink without really much of a chaser at all. Uh, you know, even, even something like Tito's, you know, you get a, sh- you get a shot of Tito's with a slice of lemon or oranges is, is also good. Uh, I'm good with that. So give me a shot of vodka. Jameson is, is a close runner up. Um, I, I can do shooters of Jameson all day on a on a nice tailgate. Um, and, and an honorable mention, you're never ever too old or too mature for a Jello shot. Remember that, people. You're never too cool. You're never too old for a good Jello shot. So um, tailgates, you know, it's it's the time for Jello shots, and you got to have one or two. So those are the questions today. I guess an awesome list. Thank you guys. Again, if you want a full bonus episode dedicated specifically to your question, whatever it is, whatever it's about, get the creativity going. Apple Podcast, leave a review, five stars with a written review with your question. I will dedicate an entire bonus episode to the question. The first review on July 9th, July 9th, the day that this airs you will have that bonus episode. So make sure as soon as you hear this, go on to Apple Reviews, leave that review with your question, and I will get to it. Um, if you're not the first review, you know you won't get the whole uh, bonus episode. Maybe, maybe I will do a couple random ones in there as well if it's a good question, but I will certainly read it on the podcast regardless and, and give you an answer. So I, I will answer every question, but if you're first, you will get that bonus episode. So let's get into the Big Ten All-Decade Defense. We did the offense last uh, on Monday of this week. If you missed that, go ahead and check it out. I gave you my thoughts on the first team and the second team. Some guys that I would move around, some guys I disagree with. <laughs> Jack Allen should be on there, and uh, you know, make sure you check that out if you missed it. But we're going to get to the defense here today, starting with the defensive line. The first team defensive line was Joey Bosa. Chase Young, both from Ohio State, 
You had Ryan Kerrigan from Purdue, J.J. Watt, obviously out of Wisconsin. Now, Joey Bosa is definitely the head headliner here. He's the shoe-in. Uh, he was a freshman All-American. He was the two-time Big Ten Lineman of the Year. He was a Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year as a sophomore. Consensus All-American. He won a national championship. He was the number three pick in the draft. You can't leave Joey Bosa off this list. Chase Young, second team Big Ten as a sophomore, and then his junior year last season in 2019, fourth in the Heisman race with uh, in the Heisman voting with 21 tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks over the course of 12 games. Of course, he was uh, suspended for a couple games there in the middle of the season with uh, some recruiting violations, some some agent money, something like that. I, I don't remember the details, something with an agent. Um, but he, he would have really racked those numbers up quite a bit. I think he could have hit 20 sacks because I think those games were against like Maryland and, and Rutgers or something like that. So, you know, I think you could throw on another four sacks onto that total. But he had that two-game stretch against Wisconsin and Penn State last year with seven sacks in two games back-to-back. Uh, -back. So Chase Young, I think, was an easy pick as well. Now, the other two I disagree with completely, and I'll give you one simple reason. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan and J.J. Watt both uh, came into college the same year. They both played from 2007 to 2010. So each of them only had one year in the decade in 2010. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. They were both outstanding in that season. Ryan Kerrigan in 2010 finished as uh, the defensive player of the year in the conference. He was a unanimous All-American. J.J. Watt was a first-team All-Big Ten, second-team All-American in 2010. But again, it's, it's, it's one season of work. J.J. Watt... I think even more than Ryan Kerrigan, he was at least, you know, unanimous All-American Defensive Player of the Year. J.J. Watt, I mean, second team All-American, you know, don't get me wrong. That's, you know, he's a phenomenal player at Wisconsin, but I think that's one where they're just trying to get the name recognition in there, get, get a little more publicity. I don't know, but that one bothered me quite a bit. With both of those guys, I would take them off. I could put Ryan Kerrigan on the second team. I'm fine with that. But J.J. Watt has no business being on the first team all decade. Uh, somebody that I would replace him with is on the second team uh, with our guy, Shalik Calhoun. I, I think he absolutely deserves a spot on that first team, you know, regardless of our bias, of course. But Shalik Calhoun, he was the two time or he was a one time defensive lineman of the year, two time Big Ten champion, three time first team all Big Ten, uh, you know, over 27 sacks in his career. He was the identity of those defenses with that, you know, face mask that he full cage that he had 2013. He had three touchdowns that year. He was in the Heisman race early on in the year. Uh, I, I really think Shalit Calhoun deserves a spot on that first team. Uh, second team, the, the rest of the second team, you got Nick Bosa, you have AJ Epinesa from Iowa. You have Maurice Hurst from Michigan and you have Whitney Merciless from Illinois. Um, I, I don't have too much of a problem with the rest of these guys. I think Nick Bosa, without the surgery his junior year, he only played three games his junior season. Um, but as a sophomore, he was big-time lineman of the year. First three games of that junior season, he had you know four sacks and six tackles for loss and a touchdown. So I think we can all uh, agree that he probably would have been in the running for that award again as a junior. Um, so I don't have a problem with putting him on there. Epinesa, two-time first-team Big Ten. Maurice Hurst, I think you could argue he could have had a, a good shot for that first-team spot as well. Um, one thing that and I'll talk about in a second here, but there was one defensive tackle on the first team and the second team, and that's, you know, I get it. The defensive ends are the guys getting the sacks. They're the guys getting the numbers, but I would have liked to see a little more love for the D-tackles here uh Whitney Merciless out of Illinois he was a Hendricks award winner as the best defensive lineman in America a little bit of a flash in the pan one year wonder um he had 16 sacks that one season I think he had 17 in his whole college career um but you know I I would have looked at you know if we're looking at honorable mentions or guys that that we could have put on there I had four def defensive tackles that I I believe should have had a shot at this Jarrell Worthy from Michigan State obviously uh, Devon Still from Penn State. You had Rashad Hagman from uh, Minnesota. Kwan Short from Purdue. 
these are all outstanding Big Ten defensive tackles. Most of them were first or second round picks. Um, and they just, yeah, I think that the D tackle deserves a little bit of love on this list here. You know, we're, we're the Big Ten, right? We, we put six offensive linemen on the first team. We should give some love to the big boys in the middle than those defensive tackles. And then obviously another honorable mention, you know, our guy, Kenny Willekes, I think definitely deserved to be in the conversation for one of these two teams. The numbers that he put up, the awards that he won, I think he definitely deserved a shot at least on the second team. Again, Kerrigan and Watt, I would be fine with removing them completely from these teams. Um, But, you know, if we're looking at Whitney Merciless as a one-year wonder um, on the second team, I don't have a problem throwing Kerrigan on there as well. But um, I I would have liked to see one of these D-tackles get a a little bit more of a look. And I think Shalik Calhoun definitely deserved a spot on that first team. And that's something I saw from a lot of Big Ten folks, not just Michigan State people as well. So, you know, you can kind of take the bias out of it. And I think he he really deserves that shot, regardless of the team you root for. So that's kind of the D lineman. We'll move on here to the linebackers. And for the linebackers, you get the first team, Josie Jewell out of Iowa, Chris Borland out of Wisconsin, Devin Bush out of Michigan. I think that's the right group. I think they did a good job here. Josie Jewell in four seasons, 433 tackles, 28 tackles for loss, 10 sacks, six interceptions. Uh, this guy was all over the field. He was 2017. He was the big 10 defensive player of the year. He won the Jack Lambert award for the best linebacker in college football. Um, Chris Borland, he was injured his, I believe it was sophomore season. He missed his whole sophomore year in 2010. Um, but in this decade, he was a three-time first-team All-Big Ten. He was a Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. He was a three-time Big Ten champion. He was the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. He had 420 tackles and 50 tackles for loss in his career. This dude is a no-brainer. He he was a... a uh, NFL rookie, defensive rookie of the year for the 49ers uh, before he decided to retire after just one year in the NFL. That was right at kind of the beginning of all this CTE uh, research. And he basically saw the long-term brain damage and long-term effects of playing football at a high level, decided to step away from the game. So um, regardless, you know, Borland, absolutely one of the one of the all time Big Ten linebackers. Um, and then you have Devin Bush, obviously out of Michigan. Um, we're not too big fans of his, but, you know, I, I think it's hard to argue um, his spot on the team. Two time first team all Big Ten, two time all American uh, defensive player of the year in the conference in 2018. And second team, we go to Ryan Shazier, obviously out of Ohio State, another guy who's dealt with injuries. Obviously, we know what happened to him with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, looks like he's making a solid recovery, so so that's really good to see him moving around a little bit. He, he came out onto the field. I know that during last season, he, he announced a draft pick recently, so um, Ryan Shazier, after that, after that really terrifying, scary neck injury, he's he's coming back a little bit. But you know, he was an All-American first-round draft pick. T.J. Watt out of Wisconsin. Um, we see what he's doing now with the Steelers in the NFL. But he was a little bit of a one-year wonder uh, at Wisconsin, but a great year in 2016. Uh, and the last one with Penn State's Michael Mowdy. He was the linebacker of the year in 2012 in the conference. He tore his ACL three times at Penn State. Talk about dealing with injuries. You know, that's that's kind of a, you know, repeated uh, narrative with this whole linebacker group. But three torn ACLs in a four-year college career, maybe five-year college career with with a red shirt. But, man, that's just horrible luck. You, you hate to see that from anybody um, if we're looking at some honorable mention guys, Max Bola probably could have had a shot here at the second team. Micah Parsons from Penn State, I think he just kind of, you know, he came, comes in a little bit too late in the game um, as kind of, again, a one-year wonder last season. Uh, but, you know, I think he's going to be awesome again this year, uh, but just got caught at the end of the decade. I think if he had two years in the decade, you know, he'd be a no-brainer. Uh, Raquan McMillan at Ohio State, one truly one of my favorite players to watch. He was a sideline to sideline guy. TJ Edwards out of Wisconsin, uh, another guy you probably could have considered for this. But 
you know, I, I, I think they did pretty much the, the right job with the linebackers with the first team for sure. I think they got it right. The second team, um, I could have probably argued Max Bola, maybe Raekwon McMillan over TJ Watt, but I, I don't have too big of a problem with that. DBs, uh, there's one that I do have a big problem with it, and it is not our guy, Darquez Denard, first team all decade. He was a two-time first team all Big Ten in 2013, or 2012 and 2013. Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Jim Thorpe Award winner, best defensive back in college football in that 2013 season. Uh, a lot of big moments. He had two picks against Georgia in that Capital One Bowl. Yeah, or Outback Bowl, excuse me. He had two picks against Iowa in that 2013 season. We remember that pick in the 2013 Michigan game where we just dominated them. They were getting into the red zone. Uh, you know, and it was that little uh, Charlie Brown. We, he let him into the end zone, red zone a little bit, and then uh, Darquez Denard just snatches it away at the last second. Um, so he well deserved the 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 coined the phrase the no-fly zone for that defense. Uh, really, really special player. Maybe the best defensive player in Mark D'Antonio's history. Uh, Desmond King out of Iowa, also the first-team cornerback. He had 14 interceptions in his career, three touchdowns. 2015 Jim Thorpe Award winner. He had Antoine Winfield Jr. and Malik Hooker were the two safeties. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. last season, he was the, the defensive player of the year, unanimous All-American, uh, really outstanding season. Malik Hooker, as a one-year starter at Ohio State, was a consensus All-American. He had three pick sixes, seven in interceptions in 2016. Um, I would have liked to see a couple of different players other than Malik Hooker, who was awesome. He was really, really special in that 2016 season, but... Um, there's a couple guys I would have liked to see. One of them, even another Ohio State safety that I would have been okay with. Um, we go down to the second. The DBs were actually like the only position group that they actually went like two corners and two safeties. Again, the D linemen, they just did all DNs, which was kind of annoying. But um, DBs, the second team, you had the corners, Jeff Okuda. And Josh Jackson, uh, Jeff Okuda out of Ohio State, obviously a number three pick in the draft to the Lions. Josh Jackson out of Iowa, 2017 Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year, Thorpe Award finalist. He had the safeties, Amani Hooker out of Iowa as well, and Vaughn Bell out of Ohio State. This is a guy I think I would have very strongly argued over Malik Hooker. Vaughn Bell is a two-year starter won a national championship and a first-team All-American in those two years, had nine interception in his, interceptions in his career with, to go along with you know over 100 tackles. He, I, th I think I would have argued over Malik Hooker. Um, and another guy I, I could have even argued over Malik Hooker for the first team, but definitely could have gotten himself onto the second team, maybe over Amani Hooker, is, is my guy Curtis Drummond. I think he gets overlooked in the grand scheme of these D'Antonio defenses. Two started for about two and a half years. Two-time first-team All-Big Ten. Both of the full seasons that he was a starter, he was a first-team All-Big Ten. He was Big Ten defensive back of the year in 2014. Finished his career with over 230 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, 12 interceptions. The guy was just everywhere on the field. Um, and I, I think he gets underappreciated in all of this a, a little bit. Trey Wayne's another Michigan State guy that I think you could have made an argument for. Uh, Jordan Lewis out of Michigan, he, he was a defensive back who made a lot of plays. Will Likely out of Maryland, a guy that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Uh, another Ohio State DB, Bradley Roby, was a corner I think you could have considered here. But um, all in all, you know, don't have too big of an issue with it. I think Malik Hooker's my only big problem, but... You know, even that one season that he had was was really special. So I, I don't have too big of an issue with it. Um, I, I might have moved some things around. But, you know, all in all, again, it's a tough job picking these things. So uh, the punter, uh, the, I'm sorry, the all-purpose player, uh, we'll get to that real quick here. There was They did it a first team, but no second team, which was interesting. But their all-purpose guy was Jabril Peppers, and he's a guy, of course, 
that Michigan State fans aren't a big fan of. But, you know, at the end of the day, he was a Heisman finalist, whether you say he deserved it or not. Um, he, he played both sides of the ball, over 100 tackles. You know, he had a bunch of tackles for loss, a bunch of pass breakups, never had an interception. Um, and then, of course, like five touchdowns, uh, you know, on the offensive side, he had a punt return touchdown. So I, I understand them throwing him in there. I, I definitely don't have a problem with it. Um, whether again, he deserved a Heisman finalist or not, I'm not sure. But I think we can all agree that he was a hell of a player for a couple years there. Uh, we'll get to the kickers. Uh, first team, Keith Duncan out of Iowa. He had an interesting story. He started as a freshman, went nine for 11 um, kicking. He had a game winner in the last second against Michigan, so we can all love him for that. As a sophomore, he got beat out by another kicker who I didn't bother to research. And then he came back as a junior last season and went 29 for 34 was a consensus All-American uh, and uh, probably should have won the Lou Groves as the best kicker in the country. Uh, you had Griffin Oaks was the second team kicker out of Indiana. Four-year player, four-year starter, two-time kicker of the year, went 69 for 90. Uh, very nice in his career. And, of course, the punter, uh, man, uh, Mike Sadler, uh, obviously first-team punter, four-year starter at Michigan State, two-time first-team All-Big Ten, four-time academic All-American, and obviously uh, tragically passed away a few years back. I, I remember I went to the game when uh, D'Antonio honored him as as an MSU Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, usually there's a 10-year waiting period for that. Um, D'Antonio, just a couple weeks after, after he passed away, uh, decided to honor him before the Wisconsin home game. I, I was at that game, and it was... Man, very emotional. Uh, they they painted the number three into the uh, Spartan at center field. Uh, the student section throughout a, a large part of that game was passing around an MSU flag um, with the number three in a rose. Uh, you know, it, it was just, it, it was really emotional. It was a really tough game to get through the beginning part of that. Um, but... Man, I uh, hope he's resting easy up there. Uh, you know, just from all accounts, you know, I, I never got to meet the guy, but from all accounts, you never heard a bad word about him. You know, just, you know, life of the party, you know, absolutely brilliant, you know, brilliant person. Uh, you know, that I again, I've never heard a bad word uttered about Mike Sadler. So, you know, it was a kind of emotional bringing those, bringing that up again, even just watching these videos and, you know, kind of getting reminded of, of everything that happened. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they did that. I'm glad he was the first team all decade punter. And, and I think, you know, it, it wasn't even just, you know, as a kind of memorial, I think you could definitely, he deserved it, right? He was um, just on the field. If we're strictly looking at that, he was the best punter of the decade. So, Man, that that was just tough to relive a little bit, but you know that that's something that'll be emotional for all Michigan State fans. Um, but you know, my, Mike Sadler, first team all decade, Big Ten. Second team was Cameron Johnson out of Ohio State. He was a national champion. He was the punter of the year in 2016. Uh, he was second team all Big Ten the the previous season in 2015. Um, don't really have you know, any individual guys that I would take off, but uh, there's one guy I would, I would have to put on and it's Brett Maher out of Nebraska. Um, and I would probably take out Griffin Oaks, I guess, but this guy was a two time kicker of the year in the conference and a one time punter of the year. How do you leave this guy off the list? I don't know. Brett Maher out of Nebraska definitely deserved a spot somewhere on here. Um, and then last but not least, we had the coaches first team all decade. I think we can all uh, probably except that that was going to be Urban Meyer. His his ten years at at Ohio State, he went eighty th or not ten years. It was uh, seven years at Ohio State, but during the course of this decade for for Urban Meyer, eighty three and nine total versus ranked teams. I went into I did some digging here versus ranked teams. He was twenty five and five. He had three playoff bursts in those seven years. One national championship that he won with a third-string quarterback, three-time Big Ten champion, 
Um, and then, of course, you know, we, part of this that kind of doesn't get remembered very well is that 2012 season, his first year at Ohio State, where they went 12 and 0, and you know, obviously couldn't compete in postseason play because of the uh, postseason ban from the uh, Jim Trussell was it the the tattoo scandal. So, um, you know, you you could tack on and make it four out of seven years that he would have won the Big Ten. Uh, four college football playoff berths. If there was a college football playoff at that time, there wasn't yet, but he would have went to a national championship game. Um, you could argue maybe he might've even won that national championship. So uh, just, I mean, damn near unbeatable during his time there um, really built this program into, you know, even much more than where Jim Trestle had it. So um, kind of passed the torch to Ryan day to, to just move, keep moving that ball forward. Um, second team, you have our guy, Marky Mark, Mark D'Antonio, coached the entire decade. In that 10 years, he was 92 and 40. Uh, we had the bowl game wins. We had the Georgia Outback Bowl. We had the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl against TCU, the Rose Bowl the Co- against Stanford, the Cotton Bowl against Baylor, Holiday Bowl against Washington State, the Pinstripe Bowl against Wake Forest. All over the course of this decade, of course, you had the Big Ten or the uh, college football playoff berth, three Big Ten championships, all-time winningest coach in MSU history. You had in this decade 20 wins against ranked teams. Uh, we've talked about it before, but I just really hope that the last couple years, you know, we we kind of washed that away in our legacy of Mark D'Antonio because I truly believe this guy deserves a statue outside of spartan stadium for everything that he did to push this program forward after john l smith after bobby williams the job he did to to bring us he brought us to a college football playoff and i think that's something that it still takes some time to wrap my head around that that there are very few schools we see the same schools over and over and over again in this thing ohio state oklahoma alabama clemson uh, Oregon, we just see these same schools over and over again. Michigan State was one of those schools, and it's just crazy to think about. And, and that's a credit to Mark D'Antonio. So um, second team coach, our guy, um, definitely deserved a look on there. So, um, you know, I, I don't even really think that there's anybody else you could consider for this. Uh, Jim Harbaugh definitely doesn't have the resume of Mark D'Antonio during that time. James Franklin definitely doesn't have the the resume. Pat Fitzgerald, I love, you know, he got them to a division championship at Northwestern, which is really hard to do. But, you know, again, he doesn't have that resume. Paul Christ hasn't been at Wisconsin long enough to be considered. Right. So um, I I think this was an easy one, too. But uh, that's that's the Big Ten all decade defense, special teams and coaching staff. Um, You know, I I had to get mad at something without sports. So I figured, you know, what better than the all decade team? So. Last but not least, let's wrap this thing up here with our betting the Big Ten West. We did the Big Ten East last week, so make sure you go and check that out. Um, we talk about Michigan State and our our division rivals. <clears throat> but I wanted to get to the Big Ten West as well. We'll do a quick segment here. I'll run through a couple win totals. We'll run through some odds to win the conference, a couple prop bets. So um, we'll start with the highest uh, over-under win totals and, and go down to the lowest now you'll start with Wisconsin. They're um, bet at nine and a half wins. They have a lot of talent coming back. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor's gone, uh, but they return their quarterback, Jack Cohen. You got Graham Mertz. He was a five-star quarterback who who definitely is in that quarterback competition. Um, their defense, they're only losing two starters. Um, now those two starters were Zach Bond and Chris Chris Orr, who were you know, kind of the heart and soul of that defense. But, you know, as far as returning production, they have 16th in the country in in defensive returning production. So I think that defense, you can pretty much count on being very good again this season. Um, But the nine and a half is a tough number. You don't really have any losses on the schedule, any straight up losses. You don't play Ohio State. So I think that would be the only team that you could say Wisconsin will definitely lose to. Um, but you have a lot of very tough games. You go Indiana week one is a, is a pretty brutal start. 
but you have Michigan on the road. You have Nor- uh, Notre Dame in a, a neutral side. I think they're playing that at Lambeau, but with COVID, I think they're mixing that around. I don't know. You got Minnesota at home. You got at Purdue. App State is no gimme. Appalachian State, one of the toughest group five teams in the country. You got Northwestern on the road. Um, there's a lot of tough games on the schedule. So, you know, in a 12 game season, uh, you know, all you got to do is lose three of those. And, and I'm going to go with the under hesitantly. I, I don't feel good about this one, but when you look at Indiana, Michigan, Notre Dame, Minnesota at Purdue at Northwestern, even Appalachian state, you know, do you see them only slipping up two times? I think that they're more likely to finish nine and three. I think that would be a safe bet. I would be surprised to see them with less than nine wins, but I would be surprised to see them get through. That's a tough schedule with only two losses. So give me the under nine and a half for Wisconsin, but I don't feel great about it. Minnesota at eight and a half. This is one I do feel pretty good about. Now, they lost their offensive coordinator, which is huge. Uh, They lost their offensive coordinator to Penn State. Obviously, the offense took a huge jump last season. Um, You have uh, Tyler Johnson going to the NFL, but Rashad Bateman's coming back and was probably the best, most talented wide receiver on that team. Your quarterback, Tanner Morgan's coming back. You return 82% of your offensive productions. Your entire offensive line is coming back. Um, you're not getting many guys back on defense, but you know this is going to be a team that wins on the offensive side of the ball. And their schedule is pretty darn easy compared to the rest of the conference. You have no Ohio State. You have uh, Michigan at home. You go on the road against Wisconsin's tough. You got Iowa at home. Um, and then the rest of that schedule, I mean, you get BYU at home. You go at Michigan State, you know, could be a trap. You get Purdue at home. You get Northwestern at home. I mean, you got Florida Atlantic, Tennessee Tech on the non-conference are easy wins. You go Maryland, Illinois should be easy wins. I'm going over eight and a half here. You know, I'm not really quite sold on them being this 11-win team that's, you know, easily winning the West and and maybe going to a playoff. I don't really know about all that, but... Over eight and a half, give me that for Minnesota. Iowa at seven and a half wins. Uh, this one is so tough because they're bringing in a new quarterback. Obviously, there's you know the offseason drama that has been a big storyline with the racial undertones of that program. They let go of their strength and conditioning coach. Uh, this is a couple weeks ago now. But I... I have a hard time betting that Iowa is going to lose more than four games because they very rarely do. Uh, you know, the when you include like a bowl game, I mean, it's just something where you see them every year to win eight or nine games. So um, I I have a hard time. I, I would lean the under here. They don't have a lot of production coming back on either side of the ball. They're losing a lot on defense, which is is definitely problematic. Um, for a program that, you know, Pick 6 previews did a good job of kind of outlining this, they have a player development metric that basically um, is is a analytics-based thing that, that basically looks at the recruit, the average recruiting numbers and recruiting rankings of the guys coming into the program. And then how do you develop that in terms of NFL draft picks? So Iowa ranks number two in that player development metric in the country. So they do a better job than damn near everybody in the country at taking lower ranked guys and producing NFL players. Um, The problem with that is that this is the second year in a row that Iowa has been in the bottom half of returning production on defense. Um, You know, they, they mentioned in here a really big thing is that these developmental programs like Iowa that you know produce these these long long term long term results from recruits to NFL players, uh, they thrive on like multi year starters, not really this constant turnover. So the defense, I expect to take a, a step back this year. I probably lean the under here. You know they have a, a pretty tough schedule. There's only really a couple wins that you can circle on there. So I, I'll go under seven and a half for Iowa. Now, Nebraska, uh, this is a team that has a seven and a half win total. 
They haven't won seven and a half games since 2016. Um, so this is something where just, you know, I, I'm going to have to believe it before I, I bet on, or I have to see it before I believe it. That's what I'm looking for. Um, I'll go under seven and a half here relatively confidently. Now the schedule is pretty easy. They have four pretty much wins. You have central Michigan, South Dakota state, Illinois, and Rutgers, but I don't really have them favored in any other games of this season. And, and you're expecting them to win four more the rest of the season. You know, you run it down uh, Purdue, Cincinnati, at Northwestern, at Ohio State, home Penn State, at Iowa, at Wisconsin, home Minnesota. You're expecting them to win four of those games? I, I don't think so. Give me Nebraska under seven and a half pretty comfortably. Uh, now we have Northwestern, five and a half. The next three teams, all with five and a half uh, as the win total. So Northwestern, we'll start with at five and a half. Uh, I'm going to go over here. I won't go too much into these bottom teams, but I, I feel pretty good about the over. They had a, a tough year last year. They only won three games, but they do get basically their entire offense back. They they dealt with some injuries, and they get Indiana starting quarterback Peyton Ramsey transferring in so that's that really the biggest problem last year was the quarterback play was brutal they get a, a transfer in that that knows how to play the position that has produced in the big 10 level Peyton Ramsey should come in and and at least make that offense serviceable the defense you got Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher who have been basically their starting linebackers since 1995 who are you know just annual first team Big Ten players? Uh, so that's I feel pretty good about the defense. They they basically return everybody on the defensive side of the ball. So give me over five and a half wins there. I mean you started off where you just look at Tulane, Central Michigan, Maryland, and Morgan State. Those are four easy wins. So find two wins the rest of the season and you're golden. Northwestern, give me the over five and a half. Purdue. Give me over five and a half for Purdue. This is a team that was ravaged by injuries last year. Every position group was hurt, it felt like, throughout the course of that season. So they're pretty much getting everybody back. A, a young team that has a lot of experience together. Rondell Moore is one of the best players in the conference overall. You know, you just find ways to get him the ball and he'll make plays for you on offense. You have Lorenzo Neal coming back on the defensive side of the ball who was hurt all of last year, but he's an NFL defensive tackle, make no mistake. Um, it, there's just a lot of a lot of talent here. George Karlaftis is a five-star guy who came in as a freshman last year and really produced. Uh, I, I think this should be a pretty clear over five and a half. You know, I, I don't know about them winning the conference. They got a little bit of buzz coming out this year, but... Uh, five and a half, this should be an easy over for Purdue. Last but not least, we have Illinois, five and a half. This is a team that won one, two, three, four, five, six games last season. Obviously, we remember the Michigan State game. Uh, they got to a bowl game against Cal, lost that one. But they had more turnover luck than anybody else in the conference by far. Um, they They had something like eight defensive touchdowns last year. Uh, it, it's just one of those things where that's always going to, you know, come back to the mean. And I, I just don't see the talent for Illinois to win over five and a half to get back to a bowl game, basically. Now, the schedule is ridiculously easy for four games. Your non-conference is Illinois State, UConn, Bowling Green. You have Rutgers on the schedule. So, if you count those four as wins, you know, hey, all you got to do is win two the rest of the season. Find me two more wins for Illinois the rest of this season. You have, and those first four games are right in a row, the first four games of the season. So you're ending the season with, uh, again, back to back to back to back to back. At Nebraska, home Purdue, home Minnesota, at Wisconsin, home Iowa, at Indiana, home Ohio State, at Northwestern. Find two wins the rest of that season. I, I don't know if you can do it. So give me under five and a half for Illinois. Um, and to finish this thing off, run through real quick some odds to win the, the division, win the conference. So to win the Big Ten West, you have Wisconsin at minus 165. So if you bet 10 bucks, you'll come out with about a $6 profit. 
You have Minnesota plus 350. So bet 10 bucks, you win 35 bucks. Uh, then you have a pretty significant jump to Iowa plus 800, Nebraska plus 800, Northwestern plus 2200, Purdue plus 3300, and Illinois plus 5000. Um, Wisconsin, they just don't really have the odds that, that make me feel good about that. I definitely would not put my money on Wisconsin. They're probably the favorite. I, I can agree with that. But as far as betting purposes go, you're not really getting a good return there. I would put my money towards Minnesota. Again, they, they have a pretty favorable schedule. Um, you have the, the Wisconsin game in Wisconsin between those two games, but you know, I think they could easily win enough games to win this conference outright or win the division outright. Um, you know, again, 10 bucks wins you $35 profit and then throw five bucks on Purdue at, at the long shot here. Uh, five bucks will get you what? That's like 165, something like that. That that's a nice little long shot. Again, they have basically uh, everybody coming back from injury after last year. I, I love Brom, the head coach there. So I think they can make some magic happen, you know, and, you know, throw a dart at them winning the division. Why not um, to win the big 10 as a whole? So this is now we're asking you to not only win the big 10 West division, but then go into Indianapolis and beat probably Ohio state in that big 10 conference championship game. <clears throat> so this is one I would not advise betting at all now uh if you're really looking from a kind of gambling perspective your best bet is probably to bet who you feel like is going to win the division and then wait until that game and put the money line on whatever team um, comes out of the big 10 west you're probably going to end up with better odds for them to win that game than you will um you know and just the 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 attrition throughout the whole season and winning that conference games, you're probably looking at a better bet to, to just win the division and then bet separately in that game. But your odds to win the Big Ten, you have Wisconsin at plus 450, so $10 bet will give you $45. Now, they're second best odds in the whole conference, so they're above Penn State and Michigan. Um, you have Minnesota at plus 1,600. You have Iowa plus 2,000. Nebraska plus 3,300. And then a huge drop to Northwestern plus 10,000. So, you know, a $10 bet nets you a $1,000 profit. Uh, Purdue at plus 10,000 as well. And Illinois at plus 25,000. They're even behind Michigan State in that one. Um, again, you know, if I were to bet, I, I would, I guess, throw a couple dollars on Minnesota just because I think that they have the firepower on offense to theoretically, you know, in a neutral site on a, an indoor field, theoretically score a lot of points, uh, you know, Ohio State on Ohio State. And, you know, I, I guess maybe they could keep it close and competitive. I would stay away from this one as a whole. But, you know, if you want to throw a couple bucks on Minnesota, I'm not going to stop you. Odds to make the playoff. Uh, so I guess, you know, you're, you're in theory, it's, this is going to be similar to win the Big Ten. In theory, I guess there's a path to going undefeated through the whole regular season and losing a competitive game to Ohio State in the conference championship um, and, and maybe sneaking in if there's a lot of losses throughout the rest of the college football uh, season. Now, odds to make the playoff, you have Wisconsin at the 16th highest odds behind Michigan, behind Penn State, behind obviously Ohio State. At plus a thousand, you have Minnesota at plus sixteen hundred. They were twenty second highest odds in the country. Nebraska at plus two thousand, at plus uh, at the twenty fourth highest, and Iowa right behind them at plus twenty five hundred. Um, again, I would avoid all of this if you want to throw a couple dollars. Minnesota is probably the best bet because again, their schedule is pretty easy, so I could theoretically see a path to them going undefeated through the rest of the, through the regular season, you know, that offense just gets clicking. They're scoring 45, 50 points a game. And maybe they, they put out a competitive game that goes into the fourth quarter against Ohio state. And they find themselves in the playoff, you know, $5 on Minnesota can win you 800. So maybe that's something you throw a flyer on. 
Odds to win the national championship. Don't don't touch any of these. None of these teams are going to win the national championship. You have Wisconsin plus 5,000, Minnesota plus 8,000, Nebraska plus 10,000, Iowa plus 15,000. Uh, the Heisman Trophy odds, last but not least here, you have Adrian Martinez is listed at plus 2,500. That's 12th highest in the country. Uh, You have, that's the Nebraska quarterback, obviously. Rashad Bateman, the Minnesota wide receiver, 24th highest odds at plus 5,000. Rondale Moore, 28th best odds at plus 6,000. That's the Purdue wide receiver. And Tanner Morgan, the Minnesota quarterback at plus 7,500. 38th best odds in the country. Now, you're going to think Rashad Bateman, Rondale Moore. Okay, those are interesting. Two great wide receivers. To put in context of how hard it is for a wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy, no, I, nobody's done it in like 50 years or something, but um, Rashad Bateman has the same odds as Jamar Chase out of LSU. So they're basically just saying, okay, we're going to run through a whole list of quarterbacks and a couple running backs, and then if you want to be an idiot and throw a few dollars on a wide receiver, here you go. Here's all the best wide receivers in the country. Uh, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Rashad Bateman, you know, hey, go ahead, give us your money for free. So don't don't bet a wide receiver. That's just dumb. Um, Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota is interesting because I think you know that offense is high flying. They they throw the ball around the yard quite a bit. Again, they're losing their offensive coordinator, so this is is probably a big deal than bigger deal than we're giving it credit for. But they have their whole offensive line coming back. They have their best receiver coming back. I think uh, Tanner Morgan could put up some really, really good stats. And again, Minnesota catches fire, wins 11 games. Who knows what could happen? So, you know, you throw $5 down on Tanner Morgan, you can profit 375 bucks. And then the what I'm going to call the Minnesota 35. You bet $10 on Minnesota winning the Big Ten West. You bet $10 on Minnesota winning the Big Ten Conference. You bet $10 on Minnesota making the college football playoff. And you bet $5 on Tanner Morgan winning the Heisman. If they do all of those things, you will profit $730. The the Minnesota 35 is what I'm calling it. I don't advise it, but you know, if you feel good about Minnesota this year, um, you could really cash in there. So um that's that's all we got for the big betting the Big Ten West. That's all we got for today's episode. Uh, ran a little bit long, I know, but you know, there was just so much good stuff I wanted to get to today. So Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you haven't done it yet, right now, right now, Apple reviews. Leave your Apple, your leave your review on Apple Podcast, and I will dedicate an entire bonus episode to your question. It could, it doesn't even have to be about football. It doesn't even have to be about Michigan State. It could be about campus life, you know, favorite bars, whatever it is. Um, but right now, leave your review. Um, if you are the first one on today, July 9th, I will dedicate a podcast episode directly to your question. And if you're not first, that's okay. I will still read it off on the podcast and give you a very thoughtful, researched answer, whatever it is. So thank you so much for listening and spreading the word. Have yourselves a phenomenal day and a great weekend. Take care, folks.